For sure. 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 Welcome to another edition of the For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. My name is Jay. Well, folks, uh, at that point, you probably would have heard another introduction, but sadly, this week, we lost one of the greats. That's right. Peter Flynn, aged 25, uh, was suddenly stricken by uh, hip-itis, and uh, he was given a Viking funeral. All of his friends and family were there. Uh, His dog, Bowie, barked a wonderful eulogy. But, uh, you know, for our purposes, uh, we just couldn't live without Pete. So I uh, went to New Jersey where he resided. I broke into his house, which I'm sure is legal on some level somewhere, and uh, broke in and found a a hair of Peter's. I hope it's his and not his dog's. And I uh, threw it together with some stem cells I had in the back of my freezer. And I went ahead and I cloned Peter. Uh, sadly, his hip ailment is still something that's uh, uh nagging this this new clone but hey it means pete's still here so welcome to the show clone peter hey yeah so um originally i was uh i was pronounced dead uh but then i was taken to a better hospital where my condition was upgraded to alive so <laughs> yes there's um, there's nothing better than being al- being upgraded to alive you know, we have to try to get the Simpsons uh, shout outs when we can. So, um, yeah. So anyway, real quick, um, I had some some minor surgery uh, a couple days ago. And because we weren't too sure about the recovery process and all that stuff, um, we we still wanted to do a show because, you know, we're we're in the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, game three just happened last night. And so we didn't want to wait too long in between episodes but at the same time, doing our normal routine of, you know, get, having a guest and, and all that stuff is, is you know, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, so for this episode, we are going to have just a just the two of us. I'll uh, probably be a little bit shorter. Of course, we always say it's going to be shorter and then it ends up being the same. <laughs> thing, so. um, but yeah, so we're not going to have an, a guest with, for this episode. Uh, we do have a, a guest um I don't want to say committed, but, you know, this person said that that uh, that that they would do it. Um, we were going to shoot for this one. Uh, we might end up depending on what's, what happens. We might end up trying to do another episode next weekend uh, if the if the series is over. Um, we'll we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, so I don't want to I don't want to spoil it. Um, I don't want to jinx anything, but we do have a, a, a really good guest lined up that I think uh, is going to be interesting. Um, but, yeah, Jay, so just before we before we get started, so. Um, you know, one of the fun things is that after surgery, they give you pain medication. And I was trying to explain to Jay last night how kind of it's annoying to be in this this kind of twilight condition almost where <laughs> I feel like if I. Yeah, like, like not vampire, but like, you know, the. Oh, no, no, know, I, I know yeah. you didn't mean that. I just I, mean, I, I sparkle yeah, yeah. in the sun. But um. <laughs> and no, like I, I feel like if I close my eyes that I could fall asleep at any time, but I'm not overly tired. So it's kind of this weird in between states. Uh, and, th- you know, the last thing is that people keep asking me how I hurt my hip uh, because it seems to be a, kind of a strange injury to have for somebody my age. 
Um, and I, you know, for a long time, I was like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I did. And people kept saying that I should just come up with a story. So, I mean, I didn't do that, but I did somehow remember what happened. Um, you know, I, I finally remembered how I injured it. So basically, you know, I was in New York City and there were two buses. Um, one of them was they were both conventions. One of them was a little old lady convention and the other one was a uh, street tough convention. And they were getting out at just the same time. And I was the only one that could intervene. So I kind of blacked out then. But yeah, so so something I don't know exactly what happened. But anyway, I like how you say I remember how it happened. But then I blacked out. <laughs> Pete, like well, say, for those of you listening out there and we've been pretty good about keeping a lid on it. But but Pete has has rage blackouts. He uh. <laughs> He, he tends to just drive into the city at random times and then just com- just lose hours on end and then yeah. just wakes up in the in the great uh, forests of New York yeah. screaming, not mm-hmm. again, not again. Yeah. My, my secret is that I'm I'm always angry. <laughs> yeah. Good one, Bruce. Good one. Yeah. Um, OK, well, so anyway, I'm, I'm, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, from from what I understand, Peter, the Stanley Cup final has commenced. Yes. That's that's that that's pretty cool, huh? Uh the two teams that are currently in it. Um yeah, you could say one team was like okay, yeah, if they make it cool, and another team, you're like, you have no business being here. <laughs> and uh it's funny because my statement works for either of the teams that are currently in this playoff. So <laughs> the the Washington Capitals and the Vegas Golden Knights, uh Gosh, um, Pete, let's. What were your thoughts on Game One? Because you know it's it's been you know we the the, the last time we spoke we, you know the, this hadn't gotten underway yet, but now not only do we have one game, but we have three games to kind of muse on. So, what were your first reactions to Game One of the Stanley Cup Final? Um, I think my reactions to Game One was basically here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> Because I was like, oh, uh, man, so this is going to be where Washington is going to be the better team and Vegas is going to win somehow. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think going into this series, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm far from the only one to say this. I think this is pretty much the conventional wisdom that it was likely that Marc-Andre Fleury was not going to be able to continue the same ridiculous run of save percentages that he's had uh, leading up to here. He's just been absolutely out of his mind. Now, of course, like, you know, in a game or two, you know, he certainly could. Um, But I think what we're seeing so far, and I know you just asked me about the first game, but basically in the first three games in general, is he's still playing well. Um, You know, we will talk a little bit more. Uh, more in detail about last night's game, which is game three a little bit later. But, you know, in game three, he uh, it took Vegas or not not Vegas. It took Washington, I think, about 15 shots to score, uh, like 15 back to back shots. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, somehow. But anyway, I mean, Flurry, you know, was playing tremendously good, but you can't keep up that save percentage forever. And I think we're starting to see what happens when you know, regression to the mean hits, uh, even for somebody who is a, who, you know, he's still a good goalie. He's still playing very well, but he's not 
standing on his head as much as he did in the earliest rounds. Um, so I think in, uh, you know, the first game I was, I was like, like I said, I was like, Oh man, here we go again. I don't know. This is not, this is not going to be good. Is this going to be another case where Washington is going to lose, even though they should win? Um, did you have the same feelings uh, in game one? I came away like if every game of the cup final was game one, I don't think I'd have, I don't think I'd have motor function. That was, <clears throat> that was a, a game that like you only, I don't know. I, that that's the type of game that doesn't usually happen at this point of the playoffs, right? Like yeah, his, sure. histor historically cup final games have been, very molasses like you know hey tentative we're trying to you know hey we should we've seen this team only you know like once or twice during the season and then we've been keeping an eye on them throughout the playoff run and now we're actually face to face so we're trying to feel each other out i don't think they needed to do that with this time around i think this was i think you're talking about this was a perfect culmination of two teams that knew that once they had to get here they needed to hit they needed to hit the gas like both, like both teams needed, like they're there, like, Hey, we haven't been here ever. We need to, yeah. we need to make a statement. And then they're like, Oh my God, the other team is doing the exact same thing. Oh my God. <laughs> so <laughs> and goals are scored. Right. And it's, it's everything you, <laughs> I, I loved that first game. That was, that was a wonderful departure from the norm. I don't know if I could handle another one yeah, like yeah. it at, at, at this stage. But, you know, to to really kind of flip the script from so many years of, you know, and game one goes to the Penguins two to one. And you're like, oh, yeah. OK, wow. It must have been a real nail bearer. Whereas this one, you'd have to think that the game's done and they cut to a shot of Doc Emmerich in the booth and he's got a lit cigarette and his ties halfway pulled down. And he's like, <laughs> OK, uh, where to begin? <laughs> and then yeah. They throw it on to Pierre and he's like. He's like upside, like his. He's like upside down in between the benches, kind of like anime style. Like when when a bombastic statement is made, someone like is instantly inverted so their legs are up in the air because they can't handle what just happened. So it's this like talk back between Doc Emmerich and Pierre Maguire, and Pierre is only talking through his legs. Yeah, I mean, I I think game one of the Stanley Cup Finals was probably the most exciting. Probably the, one of the most exciting Stanley Cup Finals games I can ever remember. I was trying to think of if there's been one that you know one that stands out, and and there isn't like that doesn't mean that there hasn't been, but just like you know standing out immediately in my, in my memory. Um, and I, I thought it was it was interesting because I don't know how many of our listeners are uh, soccer fans or football, depending on how you you know where you're from, but um, we were uh, you know sports fans were blessed as well by uh, you know recent weeks by the uh, UEFA Champions League final, which was uh, Real Madrid and Liverpool. And it was one of the, you know, a lot of the times when you get to like a final of a, of a soccer tournament, if it's a World Cup or, you know, Champions League or anything like that, you know, they're kind of playing not to lose. Um, and that was one of the more incredibly exciting soccer uh, matches that I've seen probably in my lifetime uh, featured also featured probably if not the best goal, one of the best goals I've ever seen live, you know, I wasn't there, but you know, I actually yeah, watching right. it as opposed, you know, as opposed to like a yeah. replay. 
yeah. um, with Gareth Bale's bicycle kick goal was just unbelievable. But yeah, so I mean, like we were kind of blessed uh, to have two just phenomenal, um, like archetypal um, final matches in, in the same time period. Uh, and then, you know, we're going to talk about the, the second and third game, which I think were still good, but they weren't as exciting. Like, I, I don't think you could have a full series that was like game one. I think people would just die. Yeah, yeah, correct. And and for those of you probably listening, you're going to hear some. There, you did in fact just hear some uh, police sirens, and it was in fact the goal horn from the Washington Capitals because <laughs> uh, they they did take game two, uh, which was uh, really really awesome. And you know, think every, the obvious popular storyline is, of course, Alexander Ovechkin. And uh, his his uh, finals appearance that has been like scrawled on the on the side of caves for hundreds and hundreds of years. No one knew if the prophecy was going to come true. And here it is. It's it's unfolding before our eyes. So um, that I mean, the look on his face after game two was like, you know, I don't know. I I mean, I, I think I've had that face when I, you know, either got paid on on a, on, a, on, a, on a Friday, or you know, finally got that Sega Genesis for uh, for Christmas or for my birthday. I mean, that was I just received the Ghostbusters Firehouse for Christmas. I will literally cease to breathe in ten seconds. Level excitement from from him, but you know, again, I think we're finally starting to see uh, the type of Holtby that we've all been like kind of teased with sometimes. Because he's, you know, I, I like Holtby. I I actually kind of prefer him over Mark Andre Fleur because he's been very quietly good about his business. You know, not not in the sense like he like no one knows about him. It's just that he you don't really hear from him too much. He's just sure. he's very very business. Very I'm I'm the goalie. I'm here to stop pucks. If I don't do that, I will answer your questions in an orderly manner. You know, <laughs> and yeah. and. He's I, I think he's really good. I mean, I play with him a bunch in NHL 18, so he has to be good because I only make good decisions when I play hockey games. So, um, but yeah, yeah. Game. Yeah. Game two was like, you know, it, it's kind of funny because you still had a departure from the norm because you're having a team that's winning like their first cup final game ever. Right. Like that's right. The, that's yeah. The, yeah. So there's for for every first that Vegas is experiencing, there are also a ton of firsts that Washington is experiencing that I'm kind of upset that aren't getting as much play, but you know, Hey, obviously Vegas is the storyline, but, uh, yeah. And, um, Oh, sorry. No, no, here, here, I'm I'm sorry. Uh, so ask me what you were going to ask me and then just cut it together. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. 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 No, that's fine. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Game, game two, Pete, what was, uh, you know, again, like you said, game one will never happen again, but then game two was kind of a return to form, but you know, it it was obviously more of kind of what we expected from a cup final game. Yeah, I think game two and game three, uh, not that we can't talk about them separately, but um, for me, I think in game one, uh, just watching it, you know, I've because of the West Coast time, I haven't really been able to watch a lot of Vegas in the playoffs or, you know, or even in the regular season. But um, we have, uh, you know, a little spoiler. We have a, a mailbag question coming up where we're going to talk a little bit about the, the, the Golden Knights versus the Jets. Um, and maybe, you know, how that's different in the finals. 
so I don't want to I don't want to get too much into what I'd probably talk about during that question. But uh, I think in in game one, watching watching it, I was able to figure out, OK, if Washington's going to win, here's what they're going to need to do. And in games two and three, I think they've overall been doing that. Um, so. Basically, you can't play with Vegas um, end to end. You, you can't play track meet hockey with them unless your goalie is going to just be standing on his head, which, of course, Holtby can do, which is, you know. It's not the disaster that it would be if some other teams tried to do that with Vegas in the playoffs. But um, Vegas is the type of team where they take advantage of your mistakes. Like that's their biggest thing is they they put a lot of pressure on you. Um, and, and it's not that other teams don't, but like Vegas basically does a lot of simple things, but they do them very well. Um, like it's, it's in the execution, not necessarily like they, they have this brand new style of playing that nobody's ever tried before. It's just, it's just that they're executing it very well. So when Vegas is playing well, they are forechecking you, uh, relentlessly, but not recklessly. So they are in your face, but they are not, it's not like they have like all three forwards on one guy. You know, it's not like they're just like throwing people at the puck you know they're doing it in a very relentless way in a very aggressive way but in a very smart way too so that if they can beat the forecheck they still have one or two forwards back what they're also doing is that their defense is doing a really good job of either pinching at the right time so say for example the puck goes in the corner you know the first forward goes in to pressure the puck and sometimes if it makes sense, the, the the defenseman on that side will come up to take away that pass from the forward at the blue line. So they'll play really aggressively in that instance and they'll steal the puck. But in other other times, like if that's not available, they're not doing it like they're not playing overly aggressive. They're playing smartly aggressive, if that makes sense. Um, and then you combine that with. Marc-Andre Fleury making big time saves whenever that breaks down and there's your success. Um, so in order to kind of defeat that, you have to play very smart. And one thing that I think we saw the Capitals do a lot better in game two and three um, was not make not make the silly plays, like not make the, the, the low percentage pass, but make the safe pass. So you're bringing, you know, you're trying to break out and you don't have a good play. So rather than trying to make kind of like a home run pass and what would happen in the past is it was getting stolen and going the other way. They're just making the safe dump in, making the safe play to the boards, something like that, throwing it on goal, something like that. And I think that's that that's the big change that Washington made between game one and game two. I think. I I have to agree. I think you're right. There's there's a. I don't know. It's kind of like a bottled lightning situation with Vegas, obviously, because they they've been able to assemble a, a very unique set of talent that are multi uh, faceted in their skill set and and how they're able to like almost think of it like a like a constructor bot from, from Transformers, right? Like, yeah, two you know, like these those two guys can go together, but then those two guys can go together, but then it's a completely different offensive. Think problem you have to deal with 
and um, it's 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 a really nice rotating uh, maelstrom of death that Vegas has been able to concoct. Um, but you're right. I think I think the like like we said earlier with game one, it's like both teams had to come out and make a statement, and now that uh, Vegas has kind of I wouldn't say shown their hand, but they've they've pretty much put all of their play style on display, and, and the Capitals are now seeing that firsthand. You know, maybe after so many flipping years of random breakdowns and just exact like exact linchpin <laughs> collapses, right? They they they're able to yeah. put together like the game time knowledge of noticing things and and implementing strategies mm-hmm. to to make sure that yeah. never ever mm-hmm. happens again. Yeah. And, and the one thing, like, as I was talking, I was like, I know I'm going to leave something out. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I realized one of the things that also is kind of goes into it is you can't ignore. You know, a lot of people are saying like, oh, my God, like William Carlson is shooting 20 percent, which which is true. I don't know if it's still true, but it was true. And some of their forwards are shooting at insane percentages. But and and yes, some of that definitely could be you know, just kind of puck luck or, you know, uh, short, you know, small sample size and they're going to regress. But one thing that I, I was really impressed with that I think you can't ignore is in game one, especially, and I didn't really see this very much last night, which was interesting in game one, especially if the puck was near Braden Holpe, Vegas was moving heaven and earth to get the puck. You know, it's it's not surprising that people are, you know, teams are are playing aggressive forecheck, but that was the that was like the the heaviest forecheck I've ever seen in terms of just being a monster at the you know monster around the net to get that puck. So I think you can't uh, you can't discount that aspect as uh, part of the reason that they were doing so well. Um, and like I said, you know, in in games two and three, I didn't see that nearly as much, and I think that's. Uh, if Vegas is going to have a chance to come back, they need to get back to that. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're, again, your summation of moving heaven and earth. I mean, you're right. There was, I think they used their special chip on their shoulder powers to be able to have that type of forecheck on it because they were, I, I don't know, relentless just, just doesn't seem like a good enough word to describe what they were doing. But I think, you know, I, I was remarking how in uh, game three that, I don't know, like now that we've kind of departed from the massive shootout <laughs> style and we're kind of back to like a more traditional style of play. I don't know. I just think these the, the, these games have been far more entertaining despite not having the high uh, goal scoring aspect of it, which is, you know, I think that's everything the NHL wants, but it's not like they actually knew how to do it and actually were doing it on purpose. So, you know, it's not like you can't really give them any uh, massive credit for it. But, you know, I think. I think both the, the skill for both of these teams is like, I don't know, Pete, based on, I think there are a bunch of times where we're like, hey, it would have been nice if this team was in there, would have been nice if this team was in there. But I think we've, through three games, I think we've got a pretty darn good matchup. Do you see this going six? Do you see this going seven? Or do you think the Capitals have are going to call on their uh, secret uh, monument powers because they're in Washington, D.C. to to oust the, the, the devil that is the Golden Knights? I think I think six is the max. I think going into this series, I, I said that whoever comes out of the East is going to win. And I still I still think that that's true. Um, I, I definitely questioned it a little bit after game one. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but I think after seeing the last two games, I think I'm I'm going to 
stick with my prediction. And I, I, I really think it's going to go five. I, I wouldn't be too surprised if it goes six. I think seven is, uh, for me, seven is probably the least likely uh, at this point. I think, I think five is most likely. Uh, I think there is a chance that Vegas, may, you know, maybe they win the next game at, at home uh, after their, uh, you know, their their half hour opening opening ceremonies uh, yeah. show. <laughs> Which uh, I mean, I I don't know about you, but I mean, I I thought it was interesting that the Capitals they're like, oh man, you know, they have all the you know they have catapults and they have light shows. We're gonna give you Sting and Shaggy on steps. <laughs> <laughs> and don't get me wrong I, like i'm not saying yeah. i mean they're they're good musicians i mean i'm not taking yeah. anything away from them but i mean if you're talking about entertainment value in terms of like i don't know getting you pumped up for a hockey game it wasn't it wasn't really that close it wasn't really that close yeah well again we're we're still talking about the difference between the entertainment capital of the planet versus one of the most hotly contested political climates one place isn't exactly going to know what to do with themselves, especially if it's their first time being there. So yeah, it was it was very interesting. I'm I'm glad I'm I'm alive to be able to have seen the contrast because you're right. It's like, oh man, they got guys on skate descending from the rafters, and like you have to think that all of the Washington marketing and 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 promotions people were watching that, like just with looks of horror on their face. They're like, what are we gonna do? Yeah. I, Call, call. Who's from here? Is anyone from here? Like, it just had to be the most like scrambled morning phone call. Like the next day, just imagine like Ted Leonsis being like, "Okay, so, huh, well, how what what do we got in the can here? Thrill me." And they're like, "Um, well, you see, there's this guy who was named Gordon, but now he's called Sting. I guess he's got a pretty good following." <laughs> And then, I mean, I like that Pat Sajak was there too, right? You know, it's it's hey, can I can I can I buy a cup win? That was that was yeah. kind of fun, but I mean, it's um, kind of a kind of a garbage human being, but yeah, that. yeah, it is <laughs> correct. Yeah, I I just find it amusing how Washington was just like this is this is what we got, and then of course Vegas is going to like probably like counteract with like a Celine Dion anthem, you know. Well, for, well, I, for the- I was just thinking, like you know, that Vegas has already hired Vanna White. Oh. As retribution, they're going to be like, oh, would you like to buy a vowel? Well, guess what? We bought, you know, we bought your co-host. I mean, I was yeah. well, you know yeah. what I'm saying. I'm not yeah. literally by, but, you know, like, you know, we, yeah. we hired your co-host to come out here and uh, and be a part of this. And we're also going to have every other game show host living. Uh, every other living game show host is going to be out here, too. So take that. Bah, God, that's Alex Trebek's music. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh my God, I've never heard that remix before. Oh no, this is, oh geez, this is, this spells doom for, for, for Washington. So. All right. So so before we, before we move on to our second segment, Jay, let's get you on the record. So what's your prediction right now? It's two, one caps. How's this going to end? Based on how every other sport, like, like the amount of game set, like, I don't know if anybody's done a hardcore analysis of this because of the last couple of years or the last decade of like the, the high, like we are living in the highest saturation of game sevens, I think in a long time. And I'm scared because I'm like getting used to series going seven. So like my, my pumped upness about games is kind of taking a hit a little bit. I'm like, it doesn't matter because the series is going to go seven. So who cares? Right. 
but I, I think hockey is uh, still a tried and true sport and you can like detect trends and everything. So based on what I've seen so far, I think it's going to be the caps and six. I think that's, I think that's what the universe needs. I think it's what we all need. Um, but if Vegas wins it, I mean, good for them too. I mean, again, remember, remember we are in the age of anything can happen. So why, yeah. why wouldn't a team of uh, mandated castaways uh, get, all the way to the cup final and then and then eat the cake too. So <laughs> all right, well, on to our next uh topic of discussion. Uh we have uh always had would you call it a weekly segment, Pete? Would you call it a bi-weekly segment? We're we're very aware of the current uh legal battles, the Hockey players are currently fighting with the league in regards to concussion and CTE, and and um, there's there. It seems like there's always something something new, right, Pete? There's always uh, another another foil to 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 trying to get some progress on 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 this very serious issue. Um, uh, a lot of people have continued to speak out, which is which is phenomenal. There's you know, recently with the Dan Carcillo stuff with uh, uh, him fighting with uh, JR and uh, because JR and everybody on NBC were being uh, pretty big idiots with how they were characterizing his his uh, his thoughts on the subject. But uh, recently this week, because the the NHL, much like the Jelly of the Month Club from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, it's the gift that keeps on giving Clark. And we were uh, gifted uh, some video testimony. From Bill Daly, uh, and uh, we'd like to play that audio for you right now. I mean, the video is readily available on the internet, but for those of you who don't uh, have the time or the uh, patience to once again <laughs> have to search for these jerk bags, uh, let's let's listen in on what we what we gleaned this week. Are you aware of any comments Ken Dryden has made concerning what the NHL has done to protect player heads? Only what he's written. And you've read his open letter to Commissioner Batman, I take it? I have. And did you discuss that with Commissioner Batman? If, if we discussed it at the time it came out, it was only in the most general terms. And it probably had more to do with Ken than it had to do with the substance of his open letter. What do you mean by that? Just with respect to, you know, um, how Ken approaches things. And how was that? You know, he's, a, he's an interesting man. Uh, I think he intends well. Um, but he's, it's, uh, he has a, a flair for the dramatic, um, and he likes to grandstand. Okay, Pete. Well, uh, having just listened to uh, Bill Daly testify that uh, Ken Dryden is uh, a grandstander, how how do you feel about this? <laughs> well, I mean, going into this, if you have Bill Daly on one side and you have Ken Dryden on the other side, even before this, it, it wasn't too much of a contest of who I care about more uh, or who I respect <laughs> more. Like, yeah. it's. It's uh, it's it's pretty cut and dry. Before this happened, this this I think just kind of illustrates why this this uh, kind of puts it into more sharper, uh, puts it into sharper focus for people who might 
not have been paying attention, uh, you know, over the, over the last couple of years with this stuff. Um, I mean, this, I, I want to say it was a couple of years ago where there was emails, uh, leaked, uh, from league officials to each other. I believe I, I know Batman was involved. I think I'm pretty sure Bill Daly was involved. I think Shanahan, uh, some other people and just the callousness, the ridiculousness, um, just like the loathsome nature of the things that were in those emails. Nothing that, nothing that's, this came out in the past week or so has surprised me at all. Um, I think. I, I thought for a long time that I want to say ever since ever since those emails leaked, I've thought for a while that the league actually is in danger, is in like existential danger of ceasing to be because of the eventual damages that they will probably have to pay out in either either a current lawsuit that's happening or a future lawsuit um, just because of how obviously wrong they are and how untenable their position appears to be um so yeah i mean i none of this surprises me i i i am jack's complete lack of surprise <laughs> and the, oh, the, the league continues to be horrible in this and they will continue to be horrible in, the, in this until they are forced to and even then i still don't think that they will stop being horrible it's almost like we have to come up with our new like there's like we'll take Newton's laws of physics and like, we just have to make them into like sports themed laws, like a, a league that tends to be awful. A league that is awful. will will tend to be awful. <laughs> a league yeah. that will deny tends to always deny. Like it's there's, I, I, I struggle at the level of like, what's, what's the saying? Uh, jerks have all the confidence and smart people have all the shyness something along those lines, right? Like just the brashness, like, Hey, you're testifying about people who are living such poor quality of lives. Like recently they, uh, an article just came out from M live talking about how Johan Franzen is doing and it's depressing, heartbreaking. And he's not the only one, like even about uh, Patrick Eves a couple of years ago when he was with the wings, and and his concussion concussion symptoms from his jaw basically being obliterated, you know. And again, to see him, yes, it's a wonderful story that he's come back and he's playing for the Ducks and he's a and he's a fan favorite. And I, and yes, I, I'm rooting for him as well. But Pete, we've seen this before, right? Yes, people come back, but you know what? This thing's gonna it doesn't go away. It's gonna come back. It's gonna affect them at some point because yeah. that's literally what everybody's seen so far. I, I don't, you know, yes, there are improved uh, conditions on, with which a player can can live, but it doesn't go away. There's there's no cure for it yet. And much like much like with uh, current laws uh, outlawing uh, medical marijuana, because of the standards in place, the research can't be done to try and further the progress of how to study these injuries and how to further prevent them. Right now, you have so much uh, con conceited uh, stubbornness that nobody nobody's willing to to take the the. I don't know if it's about taking the blame or take responsibility for what's going on here. Like if I'm if I'm an executive coming into the National Hockey League right now, and like it happens to be Department of Player Safety that I'm coming into. I mean, 
I would like to think it's upon myself to improve the situation as it is now and then maybe do as much as I could to retroactively fix it. But you, you don't know because the current climate is deny, deflect, like uh, like they say in our in our favorite musical about one of our founding fathers. You ask him a question, it glances off him. He obfuscates. He dances. Right. Yeah. So, well, I, I, one thing that I think is important to point out, and I'm not saying that like you you don't know this or you're not you're not considering this. Um, yeah. I just want to make sure that it's something that we include. Is and and this is not to not to lessen the odiousness of what they're doing, but. Yeah. For for some of these, especially Bettman and probably Daly, some of the things that they're saying, I, I'm guessing, are part of a legal strategy. Um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like, like some of these things that they're saying, I think they are either they're being advised to say this uh, because otherwise they will be admitting guilt, etc. But yeah. and and you know you know i th i think you have to you have to include that aspect in the discussion because otherwise you know i mean as, as much as i i loathe their reaction and their just com seemingly complete lack of care about this like yeah. you do have to be fair and i think that that is an aspect of it like i said i don't think it absolves them at all um i think right maybe may, you know maybe it can help to explain certain things that they've said but i don't think it helps to explain just the general practice that they that they've kind of found themselves uh doing in this in this uh matter i think yeah yeah that that's true i i understand there there obviously are you know even when you're in the wrong you still want to lessen the the, <laughs> the consequences for your wrongness stand there in your wrongness as president Bar yeah um so i you're right. I, I I think yes, it's a, it's part of a strategy for them to to say their stuff. It's and like you also said, it's not that it's the right thing either. So I think I think there are obviously it is easy to say from our position. Like I think there are other ways you can say like, hey, we're still looking at a lot of theories here. We're still looking at it. But like, if part of your legal strategy is to very overtly call out someone who's trying to bring awareness and change to this issue by accusing them of being either an attention grabber or as he says, like he tends to, to grandstand a lot. It's just, it's, I don't know. Like, okay, sure. Yeah. You're playing the game. Congratulations. But you're what? Like you think when this is all done, there's going to be like some secret bitch. Hey man, sorry. I had to say that stuff. You know, like the cameras are on me and I had to save face. Right. It's like, no, like you're still, you still chose to say those words because you still have a different priority uh, this is uh, obviously the investigation is is ongoing. Uh, there are always still developments here and there, but uh, we just wanted to uh, you know chat about it for a moment to uh, to clear up that uh, yeah he's uh, it, it's 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 not it's not nice. It's not pretty, and I really do hope that some resolution can can happen here. And you know I. I would be very curious, Peter, what the non-in-public discussions are, right? Because obviously, you know, there's the article that Ken Dryden wrote, he's like, and then the book, he's like, I wrote that for Batman, and then Batman says, like, you know, hey, I think he's, you know, kind of a kind of a showboat type of guy, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. do they do they even call like, is there any backwards conversation or like backdoor conversation yeah. of like, hey, you know, I thanks for the book, I'll look it over, you know, <laughs> as you know, publicly, I can't cop to actually reading the book and changing my mind at this point, but, you know, thanks for raising your hands. I don't know, I, who knows, maybe none of that is happening, but it's, 
it just seems really weird when the public strategy on one side is this is something that needs to get fixed. And the other side is you are such a loser for paying, putting so much attention on this thing that needs to get fixed. Gee, where else have <laughs> I seen that strategy being applied? Wow. Mm. Uh, so do better. <laughs> Okay, so even though we don't have a guest this uh, this this time, we still got a couple mailbag questions. So we are going to uh, we're going to do those. So we have JJ uh, asking a question for Jay first, which which I'm sure is a completely innocent question. There's there's nothing implied here. Um, so anyway, the question is, what have the early games of the Stanley Cup Final Series for the Knights taught you about how they beat the Jets? <laughs> I, I'm I'm still like mad chuckling at myself because it is, it is a very valid question. You jerk. <laughs> um, okay. So yes, as, as for all, for everyone who's listened to this, you know how much of a uh, Jets fan that I was during this playoff run. And then uh, for those of you that don't, I was, I'm still a big Jets fan. Um, I thought their story was a little bit cleaner and, and uh, uh, more, more hilarious to, to actually turn around with. Cause Winnipeg Jets and and they had to move a couple times. I just thought that aspect was great, but uh, they fell at the hands of the Vegas Golden Knights, and um, I felt I felt sad. I I was there was a ten to fifteen minute period where I was inconsolable, but I've moved on. But to answer your question, uh, JJ, uh, I, what I've learned is that there's a particular brand of play that Vegas is able to. Uh, deploy against literally every team because they are made up of members of every team. So if you look at every team that Vegas has played this year, there's at least one, or there was at least one person who played the team, played on the team that they were playing against, which means any and all secret information was given to the Vegas Golden Knights. So the greatest wealth of knowledge about all of the teams before the Vegas Golden Knights now reside on one team by themselves. And I think that's still at the end of the day, the reason why they are as successful as they are. But um, I think depth is the biggest uh, thing here. Um, I think the Jets probably had like two really solid top lines, but like their bottom three were just, uh, they were, they were exactly what you thought fourth lines and third lines were supposed to be. I, I think they did a really good job to take down Nashville. I think that was a really big challenge. But again, when you're facing the Golden Knights, it's a it's a wheel of fortune where you spin the wheel like, ooh, which which player are we gonna suddenly deify now because they're able to have this chance to play on the biggest stage? So, you know, it's uh, it was tough, but I learned that uh, that the Jets obviously are. Um, capable, but uh, they it was just unfortunate timing to. Come up against uh, 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 the goalie that is Flower, and um, he he was really able to stifle any and all momentum, and that's that's what I've learned. But now he's down two to one to the the great eight. So I don't know what maybe we've learned nothing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so um, question number two is for Jay as well. However, I will um, I will chime in a little bit. 
on this. Uh, so the question starts off, which is, uh, isn't Jay the resident Jersey expert? So the answer to that is yes. Um, although uh, I am given permission, uh, it says Peter can answer these questions too, though. So thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, and, and by the way, this is from Mitten Man 1391. All right. So the question, it, there, there are two questions here. So the first one, sounds like Seattle is well on its way to contending for the cup in the 2021 season. If you were the owner, what would you name the team? And then number two is what color scheme would you go for with the jerseys? And so before you answer, uh, apparently uh, Seattle NHL ownership group has registered a list of domain names, including Cougars, Eagles, Emeralds, Evergreens, Firebirds, Kraken, Rainiers, Renegades, Sea Lions, Seals, Sockeyes, Totems, and Whales. All right. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean that you are limited to those. But um, so so, Jay, as the resident Jersey expert color scheme uh, branding aficionado, <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you got? What, what do you think uh, Seattle should be doing here? OK, so to answer the, to the, the first part, if I was the owner, um, my my gut instinct would be to do uh to revive the Metropolitans. I think it's, I think it is a pretty cool name, like Met Metro's hockey. That, that, that sounds like a cool catchphrase tagline. Um, I was recently gifted a, a, uh, um, a replica Seattle Metropolitans hockey Jersey. I think the stripe scheme is just, just really clean and fun. Um, so my, my, my first instinct would be to revive the Metropolitans, but that is a team from over 100 years ago. And as we know, millennial culture doesn't want to remember anything from 100 years ago. So I assume they would want to go with something more modern. So if I was forced to do with something more modern, I really liked Rainier's. Um, I thought like a mountain, like a mountain uh, range type logo scheme would look kind of cool. I mean, yeah, it would probably look a little bit like the avalanche, but I would just make sure, you know, it's cool this time. <laughs> um, mm. So uh, I, I really liked Rainier's. Um, for a moment there, I, I was actually uh, kicking around the idea of uh, the Seattle Pike Men because of the fishing uh, situation up there, as in it's everywhere. <laughs> it's the Pacific Northwest. Something fish related is obviously, uh, you know, a, a good idea or a good play, as it were. I mean, even, you know, the Vancouver Canucks, I mean, the, the giant whale that they have on there is like, that's really cool. But, you know, I think I think something fish related is obviously... Uh, a good way to go if that's what they choose to do. Um, I don't know what exactly that would be called because they already have the Mariners. So it's like, you know, Pikeman's kind of a, you know, just like a, de a derivation off of that. And we don't want to just, you know, be like Deadpool and <laughs> X. We are X force. Isn't that a bit derivative? <laughs> You're absolutely right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I, I would say, you know, if, if I could, if I could, I'd do the Metropolitans, but if I'm forced to do something different, I would go with the, uh, with the Rainiers. What, what, what about you, Pete? What, what, what would you want to name them? Um, as someone who doesn't care that much. Um, <laughs> now, no, no, hold on. No, hold on. No, no, no. I mean, I, I said that partially be funny here, but um, I, 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 I don't want to make it sound like I don't care about the question or that it was a bad question. Cause that's, that's, that's not what I'm saying here at all. Um, I'm just saying, you know, this is the type of stuff that I don't care as much as a lot of other people do. Um, I so be, because because of that, I'm going to go with something that would never happen, but I'm going to go completely off book in a different direction. And I'm going to go with the Seattle Purple Haze. Ooh. And I think, yes, you got the color, you got an ambiance. And uh, 
Yeah, I, I think there you go. As, you know, as somebody think- who had a, uh, a fantastic time when I went to Seattle, uh, when I was in the Navy, uh, we, we, we went to Seattle one time and, and I went to the Experience Music Project, which is fantastic if you ever get a chance. Uh, I, I, I imagine it's still there. Uh, it was a long time ago now, but um, I imagine it's still there. It was a tremendous experience then, and it's got to be even better now. I think you actually came up with um, a uh, brilliant idea here because think of all of the uh, pregame rituals, right? Mm-hmm. That 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 teams do their entertainment shows. Uh, I would like to say that uh, if you, they're going to be the Purple Haze, how cool would it be to set a guitar on fire at Center Ice every yeah. game? That would yeah. be really cool. I think I would love to see. And then they play the Knights in the playoffs, and then it'd be really funny to see a Golden Knight try and hack a giant guitar in half by standing at center ice. I think that's, yeah, I think that, I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, now, all right. So full disclosure here, and I'm, I'm, I feel like this has come up in podcasts past, but if it has not, um, for those who are, uh, not in the know, I am colorblind. So it, it, I, I, while I still enjoy being asked color based questions, uh, please know that my answers uh, may not always reflect what uh, people like to call normal or regular. Um, if we were to uh, simplify my condition, it's that everybody sees in the 120 uh, color Crayola box. I see in the four color Crayola box. So, uh, but that being put aside, um, if I was going to pick a color scheme, uh, it is in the Pacific Northwest with the sequoias and and the. And uh, it is the Emerald City, after all, so I would assume I'd find a really awesome shade of green. Um, It is kind of annoying that Dallas has tried to co-opt green uh, for literally all of their existence. You know, they were a pretty uh, bright shade when they were in Minnesota. And then now when they're in Dallas, they are they're back to a, a mostly bright green scheme. So, you know, something like maybe like like a dark green. I don't know what the official name of what dark green is because there's always an official name it's not dark purple it's you know it's it's this it's not it's not pink and red it's mauve you know it's what whatever it is there i i, I would assume a, a cool base dark green would be a good place to start with you know maybe like some some white accents to uh to mimic frost from mount rainier for for the snow on snow-capped mountains and um, I will say that I myself have kicked around logo ideas for what it is. I know, I don't know about a main logo for this, but I know for a shoulder patch logo, I think it'd be really cool to recreate the space needle with the legs being hockey sticks. I think that could be, yeah. I think that could be uh, turned into something pretty cool. Um, and, uh, I think, uh, you know, w- to be honest, Pete, I'm really missing, I feel like there are some aspects of the other l- lower league uh, hockey organizations that are able that have better logos than the NHL does. I think that's safe to say. Some of the logos from like the AHL, OHL, CHL, QM, JHL, the Super, Super League, just some of those logos actually look better than some of the logos that are in the NHL. And I think it'd be really neat to return to, because like, I'm trying to remember which team I, I got this imagery from but basically it'd be cool to have a mountain range and then just like a really cool script font of Rainier's right just something that's just boom subtle da 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 straightforward it uh and it just it just pops so I I think green with with white uh, I I don't know what other color you you complement it with maybe black maybe um 
Like I said, because it's really tough because Dallas almost like has a monopoly on the darker, greener <laughs> colors. So, yeah, uh, but, you know, I'll, I'll I'll mock something up and, 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 and see what's what. So, but yes, those are those are my choices. Pete, I, I know you don't give the, the biggest crap, but, uh, you know, what color would what color would you make it? Oh, I mean, it's pretty obvious. I mean, if it's the purple haze, I mean, there you go. <laughs> Obviously, I actually, green. Yeah, and then and then I just really want uh, there. It'd be really cool to have every win then be serenaded by purple rain. I know that's a Minnesota yeah. thing, but yeah. staying with the color scheme, just imagine how awesome it would be to score the game and cup winning goal, and then all of a sudden it's the. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think that I think that'd be fun. We have uh, we're going to close out the episode in just a few minutes. But before we do that, we have one last segment for you. Stanley Cup finals. Lots happen. Uh, Jay and I had talked earlier about how game one of this series was one of the craziest. um, One of the craziest Stanley Cup final games in in recent memory Um, in uh, game two, we had the. the you know the quote unquote the save by Holpe, which actually we didn't even end up talking about. Which um, but I like that we're talking is, about it right now because that yeah. in and of itself is currently becoming what we're going to talk about, right? Because we're talking about top cup yeah, final I mean, moments. So I don't think like I don't think it's as good as people have been saying, but that's just because I think people have kind of gone too far. Like I think it was <laughs> it was a, it, it was it was an amazing save. It was certainly a highlight real save. But I mean, some of the hyperbole has been a little bit crazy around. It. <laughs> um, but um, you know, so when we think back on Stanley Cup Finals, sometimes we think back on interesting moments, um, you know, dramatic moments that happen. So Jay and I thought that we would uh, we would peer back through the years and think of our three most, I guess you could call these favorite or most interesting or stories that we thought were interesting uh, for different reasons in the Stanley cup finals. Uh, So there's a lot that happened. Uh, First of all, uh, we're going to have three each and um, the Brett Hull goal didn't even make our list. So that tells you just how many crazy things have happened in the Stanley cup final. Um, (laughs) So it it was close for me. I I definitely thought about it. I definitely thought about it, but uh, yeah, I did too. But like everybody talks about it though, right? Like it's not like it's a surprise. We've hammered it into the earth. It's uh it is what it is. Why yeah. is Batman talking to a ref at all? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so, um, Jay, how about you go first with your number three? My number three. Okay, so uh, I uh, really enjoy this moment because uh, in in true fashion, in the way that there are Hawk fans that had no idea that the Blackhawks existed before the year 2009, um, in true comeuppance fashion, uh, with all of their douchebaggery, um, my my third uh, moment is uh, the cup-winning goal by Patrick Kane, the phantom goal, as it were. Um, it is uh, a, a raucous night in Philadelphia. Uh, the Blackhawks and the Flyers are in overtime, and Patrick Kane is able to... Uh, Blow one right past the goaltender. Uh, again, past all human eye perception except him. 
So he fires it pretty much from the corner uh, along the boards, and he knows it's in, so he starts throwing his, his gear off. And, and, of course, if you're throwing your gear off, you have a pretty good thing. Mm-hmm. That means everyone else is like, I <laughs> guess he probably scored, so we should start doing this too. So this is the you know, the, the, the great moment of like, okay, he scored, but like, how do we know? <laughs> and it's really <laughs> funny because uh, all of the crap that Chicago created with their sudden rise to power, they win their first cup in like, gosh, their, their last one, I think was what, like 61 or something. So like 40 plus years, you know, like all these all these teams getting their cup charts out of the way and they rob themselves of a classic Stanley Cup winning call, <laughs> which is funny because like think of all like scores, Bobby R, like all these great moments. And now forever, the first cup in a long time for the Blackhawks is going to be Jim Houston saying, what the the puck is in, it's over. The it, it's It's in <laughs> like the most incredulous <laughs> call ever. And uh, I just remember so many people, you know, and then they had to review it. They had to to go back and, and check it out, which, you know, we can have our separate segment about how replay is, you know, both integral and also the worst thing ever happened because you're robbing these organic moments of just being those moments, right? You just want to score the goal and celebrate, not score the goal and celebrate and then stand at center ice looking at a giant video board going like, did I actually win the game? Maybe I <laughs> Maybe I didn't. Maybe I was just really excited to be done playing in the playoffs. Okay, whatever. So, yeah, that's that's my third one. The phantom goal, and then they get no great call that's added. And, like, you can't add that call to any cup reel ever. Like, there's no – there's like, even the radio call screwed it up, too. So, like, yeah. it's, it's, it's hilarious. It's like, here, you want a cup, and everything is too crazy. We can't even commemorate it correctly. So, congratulations. All right, yeah. So I, I think that's definitely a good one. I think um, the the Blackhawks being denied anything good is always going to be uh, is always going to be a, a, a something good in my book. And <laughs> uh, and you know it couldn't happen. It couldn't happen to a to a nicer, more wholesome, clean cut person. So <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I like to see bad things happen to uh, to him. Anyway, so uh, my my uh, my third one is also with uh also associated with a team that we as Red Wings fans do not like uh to put it mildly but I think that it is um I I can ignore the fact that this team won a cup because of one of the people who uh was involved in that and so I am talking about uh Ray Bork winning the Stanley Cup with the Colorado Avalanche uh like I said uh, obviously not a fan at all of the Avalanche not happy that they won, but Ray Bork definitely deserved, I think, to, uh, to to have his name on the Stanley Cup. And so I'm on board with pretty much anything that that, that makes that happen. So I'm going to going to swallow my bile a little bit for the team. And I'm going to be happy for for Ray Bork that it happened, um, that he was able to get his his name on the cup after 22 seasons. All right, Jay. So for number two, this is interesting because for number two, we both have the same one. Yes. Yes, we do. Yeah, we're Wings fans, but we are also hockey fans. And we also know that hockey is a very tight knit community. And uh, when certain things happen to a team, it can it can it can break them apart or bring them closer together. And uh, we're we're. We were beyond saddened to learn of the events that transpired after the Wings winning the Cup in 97 due to a uh, poor 
poor uh, record and terrible person who was a limousine driver whose license was already suspended was driving uh, Konstantinov and uh, Manasikov to a different location and a horrible car accident uh, ended Konstantinov's career, constant rehabilitation. Um, well, when the wings went back to back and uh, they're in Washington and they they're about they're gonna they're gonna win the dang cup. I love this part, Pete, because I think it was Eisenman who was saying it. Who like he was like, "Hey, who should who should we give it to? Who should we give it to?" And I, I feel like it was Shani who was like, "We should give it to Vlad," and it was like a no brainer, right? Like just there's there's no. All right, I'm I'm now I'm emotional. You have to take over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, this is this is one of those things where. <sighs> As hockey fans, there there's a there's a difference between just our love of the sports and the 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 way that the real world works. Uh, a lot of times, we as fans use sport as escapism, as a a way to kind of get away from the uh, you know the, the the terrible terrible things that happen in the real world. And because of that, it can be really tough when those two worlds kind of get mushed together, when those two worlds collide, as as it did in this case. Um, obviously, just the fact that his career was cut short is just terribly tragic. Um, and there's I don't really feel like I have the words even if I wasn't taking pain medicine, I, I don't think I would have the words right now to kind of string together to really, really say just how horrible this was. Um, but then also just how kind of moving and uplifting it was that he was able to celebrate. Um, you know, he was able to celebrate the, the next year that they were able to take this, this horrific tragedy and bring some, light to uh some light to the situation um you know every time every time i see him at events like you know he was at the uh the, the you know the last game the closing of the joe um you know every time you see him it's just it's i don't know it, it's it's hard i i'm i'm reading right now and i i hope eventually to have a a uh a book review like one of the articles i i do when i finish you know hey hon um you know, a lot of times when I when I re read a, a Red Wings book or a hockey book, I'll write a review about it for the website. Uh, and so I'm reading um, the uh, the Russian Five book, uh, and you know, just kind of knowing the journey that these players took to get there, just that is is one level. Um, and then having just this this terrible twist of fate happen to kind of steal something you love so much at the you know just at the moment where you you have achieved it is just it's 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 terribly tragic um but you know like like i said at, at least there is the uplifting part of it where the the team did the right thing and was able to to bring some joy out of such a horrible situation absolutely and it's it's one of the greatest pictures in all of hockey history everybody uh, around vladdy and and putting up the two fingers for two in a row it's just it like you said the the there is the tragic aspect about it but you're able to pull so much hope out of it and as 
as the the patches that they wore on their jersey said, we believe. And that was that was really, really cool. So yeah, that's that's a that's a heck of a number two. And now you're wondering how 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 do we even how do we even top that? Well, we do we have two differing moments. One is fairly uh uh <laughs> expected, and another one is not. So Pete, why don't I don't know. You first, me first, what do we do here? Um well anybody who's been listening to this for any length of time is gonna know what mine is. Uh just because for a long period of my time the the Islanders were were my team of choice, the team that I rooted the most for. So you know, for me there's no other answer other than Bobby Nystrom in uh in in the nineteen eighty season. Uh technically I was uh I was well I, I was I was not just technically alive. I was actually alive, but I was technically present uh, to see this because my dad was watching it and I was in a little uh, carrier next to him sleeping. Uh, and because of the noise he made when uh, when the Islanders won, I was technically awake for this uh, this moment in Islander history. Obviously, I don't have any memory of it. But, you know, growing up, this is this is one of the things that you come back to over and over and over and over again. And, um, you know, just like with, you know, with the Red Wings, you know, a lot of times you'll break out the Stevie Eiserman goal against St. Louis, you know, like, you know, there's certain goals, certain uh, achievements that, that get broken out all the time in the highlight clips. And of course, for the Islanders, this was, this was the main one. Uh, so, you know, this, this goal, this memory was such a big part of my childhood uh, in terms of hockey that this was a, this was a really easy choice. So Jay, <laughs> I'm really interested to hear the reaction to yours because of how, how interesting of a story it is. Yeah. <laughs> Um, my number one favorite cup final moment is Bill Barilko. That's right, kids. Uh, I know you're all gasping in your car or your living room or on your commute, wherever you listen to this fine multi award winning podcast. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Bill Barilko, uh, was a player for the Toronto Maple Leafs and, uh, it's, it's, it's a really awesome story because it's it's mystical it's ghostly and uh really like holy crap that's actually that's kind of scary and why would that be a thing so uh he scored the uh stanley cup winning goal for the toronto maple leafs in uh in 1951 and yeah sure great whatever jay it's uh mm -hmm. Uh, it's a it's the Leafs winning a cup. Why is that your moment? Well, because Bill Barilko scored the goal and then disappeared. He was uh, he 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 died in a plane crash on the way to a fishing trip, and uh, they couldn't find his body. And while they couldn't find his body, the Leafs didn't win the cup. And if you know how superstitious and crazy hockey players are, a just how crazy it is that the guy who wins you the cup disappears and then you don't, for the foreseeable future, win a cup. That is some scary shit. <laughs> like, that is some, like, oh, my God, nobody go anywhere ever again. <laughs> why, why, oh, why is this a thing? But then they, uh, it was like 11 years, 11 years later, they they won again only because they found Barilko's body. <laughs> and 
it's such a cool story, such that the Tragically Hip actually have one of their best songs about this. It's called 50 Mission Cap. It's really great, and I challenge anybody out there to tell me the other great songs that have ever been written after a Stanley Cup final moment. I'm I'm pretty sure the answer is only one, and it's this one. So it's it's really really quite something to to be able to have one of the top moments in the history of a league be that a player's disappearance and subsequent death uh, affect <laughs> the trajectory of a team, and you have to you have to find his body. I, it needs to be a movie. It's it's almost like the Deer Hunter. Like you have to go back and find him. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll never win a cup again. So, yeah, it's it's really good. And and shout out to Gord and everyone else for making a really awesome song. And uh, he opened it. He opened with that song at their last nationwide concert, and it's just it's just really good. So that's that's why that's my number one. Go into the comment sections. Let us know because obviously there was definitely some moments that we left out. Uh, yeah, only we didn't say that there were only three, right? Like right. these are the yeah. only three to exist. So we actually do exactly. want to hear what you think are some of the best cup final moments. You know, go into the comment sections. Uh, you know, let us know what you think uh, about that or about any any of the stuff that we talked about. Um, like I said earlier, hopefully, depending on how everything goes, we might end up having a, a, another episode for you next week uh, instead of our normal two week window. We'll see what happens with the finals and we'll see what happens with getting a guest, et cetera. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, you, as always, you can find us uh, on Twitter. You can find me at P Flynn hockey. You can find Jay at the roar underscore 24. Our podcast is at 200 foot pod. That's two zero zero FTPOD. You can find uh, our merchandise. We have a store. We have a t-shirt, uh, well, t-shirts, hoodies, um, pillows like all all sorts of stuff notebooks stickers etc um and if you go to tinyurl.com slash for shirt which is f-e-r-s-h-i-r-t you can find us there so the only thing we have left is the doc emmerich verb of the episode so jay what do we have well it is the stanley cup playoffs right and it's the stanley mm -hmm. cup final so I, I i struggle to find uh any word better uh for the playoffs than shuffleboards i think <laughs> I, I i i don't know I, i've been looking through a bunch of lists that people have have compiled over the years and um shuffleboards just it's it it's it's versatile you can use it almost <laughs> anywhere it has it has style it has history and uh it's funny because it's one of the few words that are on this list where when you say it you are immediately imagining the exact like, like, depending upon the tone that he says it, you know, you can actually picture how the player looks when he does it. Like, because you know, is it is, is it the is it the one handed shuffleboard? Is it the two? Is it you know, like a like a weird pass? So, um, and, and it's also one of the ones that he's able to say so well nonchalantly. Uh, shuffleboards is your verb of the week, and remember, there's four games left in this cup final. He could totally come up with something else. Believe me, I'm listening. <laughs> I want him to pull something out of his bag of tricks that he hasn't said in a while. Yeah. So, uh, so this episode should come out on Monday, uh, uh, June 4th, which is also the day of, uh, game four. So listen to this first, so you can be prepared 
to watch game four, see what uh, see what you should be paying attention to. We'll see what happens, because uh, obviously after that, it'll either be three one with Washington in uh, in the driver's seat or it could be two two going back to Vegas. Um, and obviously at that point, uh, all bets are off. So we'll have to see. So thanks a lot for listening and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. For sure. 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 For sure.